from iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. This is episode 256. We have a lot to talk about because on Friday we had an amazing SmackDown and we have a lot of shit to go back in time to because on this episode we're going to be going back in time to October 27th, 1997, Monday Night Raw and WCW Nitro like we do every Monday. So make sure you tune in for that. Ladies and gentlemen, first and foremost, I got Dom already in the chat. I appreciate you, Dom. Thank you for joining. He says, if I miss this, it's only because I'm watching Dark to catch Jeremy Prophet on AEW Dark. Have a great show and kill it like you always do. I appreciate you. And yes, everybody, go check out Jeremy Prophet on AEW Dark tonight on the AEW YouTube channel. And if you are interested in Jeremy Prophet, then after you check him out on AEW Dark, Make sure you go to the Jeremy Prophet interview that I did here on this channel with my boy Kofi Wheatston, who's also already in the building. Salute to you, my brother. Says, we live, baby. Yes, we are. Check out Jeremy Prophet. Check out the Dirty Heels. Check out Top Rope Wrestling Talk. And before you check out this episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, I got to give a shout out to my sponsors at Manscaped.com. Go to Manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs and put in the promo code DeLorean to get 20% off site-wide. It don't matter if you want the fucking weed whacker, the fucking ball deodorant, if you want the lawnmower, if you want just chapstick. No matter what it is, it could be the most expensive, the least expensive. It could be the fucking cheapest thing on the site. You get 20% off regardless using the promo code DeLorean. So make sure you put in that promo code in all caps, D-E-L-O-R. E-A-N, about to take off these glasses because they're glaring too much. But put in that promo code and get 20% off site-wide. Definitely worth the fucking money. Kofi Wiesa says, Manscaped that shit. Hell yes, Manscaped that shit. 
You know what I mean? I had a job interview like last week. I had to shave the fucking uh the beard. It's already starting to come back a little bit, but that was Manscaped. That's that that was Manscaped. I was silky fucking smooth because of Manscaped. So make sure you check out Manscaped and put in that promo code DeLorean. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to talk about last Friday night's SmackDown live on Fox because this was a hell of a show. Super stacked. We had a lot of great action. And if it was just the great action that we've seen from the matches on this show, it would have been fine. But the show ended with a humongous cliffhanger with the ending of Bray Wyatt coming out and practically being himself for the first time on WWE television. It was an awesome moment. But before we get there, I want to start off and say that Sami Zayn is the fucking man. Once again, we start out with a promo from the, uh, from the bloodline and Sami Zayn is just so good at what he does right now. It is hard to think of anybody who is more entertaining than Sami Zayn and his whole role with the bloodline is fucking amazing. So I think that Sami Zayn kind of like Seth Rollins needs to get rewarded very soon. I think that Sami Zayn needs some gold around that waist. I don't foresee Sami Zayn being a part of the bloodline for the long run. So I don't think that this is going to be something that lasts, but I could see Sami Zayn getting a big push after, I guess, Roman Reigns turns on him because he's already one of the most over guys on that roster. The people are just earning for him to be a fucking baby face. So definitely, I think that he's going to be a huge, huge, huge baby face and needs championship gold. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world that don't really get talked about. And I'm talking about this has been the same fact for a while. I'm talking about the El Generico days. He's been one of the best in the fucking world. And right now we're seeing character work from Sami Zayn like we've never seen before. And everything he does, every time he gets on the mic, every time he gets into the ring, my man is knocking it out the fucking park. So Sami Zayn is by far one of the most fucking beloved guys on that roster right now. He had a really good matchup with Kofi Kingston. Not Kofi Wheatston, Kofi Kingston. The other Kofi. And this was a really good matchup. And it was... Funny because before the matchup, Roman Reigns got on the phone with Jey Uso and said that you are going to have to be in Sami Zayn's side and you're going to have to help him win. None of this bullshit that we saw on Raw between uh, what's called Sami Zayn and Matt Riddle where you didn't help Sami Zayn win that matchup. So reluctantly, very pissed offly, if that's a fucking word, Jey Uso had to oblige from the fucking uh, request from the tribal chief. Kofi Wheatson says he'll be the one to dethrone the chief. That would be fucking awesome. I, I wouldn't be mad at that. No one will see it coming, and I think that he deserves it. He definitely deserves a world title shot. It was a dope segment. Definitely, I like that the segment took place right in gorilla position, too. Like, right before Sami Zayn went out uh, went out into the, I guess, arena. Um, Really good matchup. Great action back and forth. Two guys who are very fucking athletic. I, I really enjoyed this, but I enjoyed the ending where Jey Uso does help Sami Zayn win the matchup when Kofi Kingston has Sami Zayn in the victory role. And I believe he kicked Kofi Kingston in the face, turning uh, the pin over to Sami Zayn. And Sami Zayn gets the victory, one, two, three. But then later on, later on, Sami Zayn says, I didn't see you help. I did it on my own. And then they had Solo Sokoa. And Solo Sokoa is like, I was watching Sami. I didn't see you do anything, Jay. So I love the storyline that they're doing. I love the fact that they're continuing to push uh, this story between Jay Uso and Sami Zayn. And it's like a fucking tea kettle that's about to just fucking hit the whistle because it is boiling up. And I think that it's going to be really awesome when it eventually overflows and we got Jay Uso just snapping on Sami Zayn. Um, definitely, I think that it's without saying that we're going to see a swerve and Sami Zayn is going to eventually get kicked out of the bloodline because as entertaining as he is with the bloodline, he is the odd man out. And of course, you're going to have Roman Reigns side with family in the end. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see what happens when Sami Zayn is eventually kicked out. Uh, he's going to be a fucking big ass baby face. I'll tell you that much. He's going to be over as fuck when he does eventually get kicked out. Kofi Wiesen says his face. Yo, everything about Sami Zayn right now is fucking entertaining. Something I also found really entertaining was the segment. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. 
From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being, I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We just just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. between Rey Mysterio and Triple H backstage. Oh, hold up. Hold up. I'm talking about the matches like we didn't have a fucking car crash in the fucking beginning of the show. Gosh, yo, the show starts out. I fucking totally skipped over this and I don't know how, but the show starts out as soon as we go on air. There was a fucking car crash between Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre and Drew McIntyre fucking snaps and beat the ever-loving shit out of Karrion Cross in the parking lot. And this shit looked like a fucking real-ass brawl. Karrion Cross was beaten to a fucking inch of his life from Drew McIntyre. And this was an awesome, awesome segment and a great way to start out the show with very, you know, a lot of excitement. This was car crash television, uh, no pun intended. But definitely awesome. And I like the fact that Karrion Cross was supposed to be in that main event. But because of these actions, we're going to further continue the Drew McIntyre, Karrion Cross uh, storyline. But also, Karrion Cross was taken out of the main event. That leads up to who's going to be replacing Karrion Cross in the main event. Earlier in the night, we got Rey Mysterio backstage talking to Triple H. She wants to talk to him and say, hey, I can't take this shit with my family. You know, my family means everything to me. So if, you know, things aren't getting resolved, I, I got to walk away. I quit. I can't do this anymore. And Triple H was like, whoa, hold up. Before you make that decision, come into my office. Let's, let's talk a little bit. So the cliffhanger is who's going to fucking, you know, take over. Well, who's going to replace Karrion Cross? And it ends up being Rey Mysterio in the main event. So we had a very good main event between four of the top guys right now in the WWE, in my opinion. You had Solo Sokoa, Ricochet, Sheamus, who's on fucking fire right now, and Rey Mysterio, who is now officially a SmackDown exclusive. I like the storyline. I like that Rey Mysterio is fleeting, but I also think that it's not over between him and Dominic, not by a long shot. Not until they have a match at like WrestleMania or something. I could see this, you know, them going their separate ways into like the Royal Rumble and they're both in the Rumble matchup and fucking Dominic does some nefarious shit to his father leading to Rey Mysterio just snapping and saying, I need to go back to Raw and handle my fucking son. But 
Right now, I love the way that they're building up this storyline. And Rey Mysterio actually picked up the victory. So this was a number one contendership match for the IC title. And now it is going to be Rey Mysterio versus Gunther. I am not envious of Rey Mysterio in one bit because I think that Gunther is going to chop the ever-loving shit out of Rey Mysterio. He might just chop him right back to Raw. But I think that it's going to be a really good matchup between Gunther and Rey Mysterio when you got that technical slash powerhouse Gunther versus the high flyer Rey Mysterio. It's definitely going to be really good. Shout out to my boy Tim King. What's up, homie? He says, the realism to start the show was badass. Hell yeah, because it wasn't just a brawl backstage. You had the car crash. You could see the smoke from the cars. You could see the cars are fucked up. And then on top of that, when Drew McIntyre gets his hands on Karrion Cross, it ain't working punches. My man looked like he was really beating the shit out of uh, Karrion Cross, And he was smashing Cross's head onto the fucking car. And you could see Cross was bleeding. And you ain't seeing no one bleeding. So... That was definitely hard way. I, I love that opening segment to start out SmackDown with a fucking bang. Kofi says, LOL, the car crash had me like. <laughs> Most definitely. Courtney, what's up? Thank you for joining. I appreciate you being here, Courtney. Dom says, Jeremy's match opened the show. What's good, De Niro? Uncle Eddie's son made Ray run over to the other brand. Yeah, you know, first of all, like I said, after this episode of the Wrestling DeLorean podcast, everybody go to AEW Dark and check out Jeremy Prophet versus Kip Sabian. Awesome, awesome, awesome to see Jeremy Prophet on AEW Dark. And after you're done with that, come back here and fucking check out the Jeremy Prophet interview that me and Kofi Weekson had with him about two weeks ago. The Dirty DeLoreans had a nice little interview with one Jeremy Prophet. So definitely shout out to Jeremy Prophet. Kofi says, Death was a WrestleMania-type match. That main event, right? It was definitely a lot of, you know, action. Uh, Kofi says, being back to that old feel. Bringing back that old feel. Most definitely. I think that that's something that WWE's been doing as a whole right now. Bringing back that old feel. Bringing back that anything can happen at any time. And the stories is what's making these shows. You know, on Friday, I talked about how AEW could take their show to the next level. And I think that what they need is more story and not just storylines. I'm talking about a story that lasts from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. This was a perfect example of it. This was a perfect example of a streamline of starting the show with the story, having it intertwined with the Carrion Cross. Well, the story was the Rey Mysterio coming over to SmackDown, having that intertwined with the Carrion Cross Drew McIntyre story. And then in the end, you have Rey Mysterio replacing Carrion Cross. That's how you build up shows. That's what makes shows episodic. And that's what makes shows must watch. Anything can happen at any time. Coming into the show, it was announced that Carrion Cross was going to be a part of that four way. Now, what if I'm a big ass Rey Mysterio fan? And I didn't watch that show because I didn't know Rey Mysterio was going to be on that show. But the thing is, I like the fact that you don't know who's going to show up at any time. So regardless, I got to tune in. You know what I mean? I love that. I love that the WWE does that. That's been a WWE staple for many years. Open the show with a storyline and have it play out through the whole night. That's something that we're going to see in both Raw and Nitro when we talk about that after the commercial break. So definitely, I would love if AEW did that. But we're not talking to AEW right now. I just think that that's what would take their show to the next level and make it more must-watch. But for sure, this was a lot of, you know, good action. Um, I like the fact that we got Roxy on this show. Roxy, she's, uh, well, she's not Roxy anymore. She's Roxanne Perez. Uh, she is, she was on the show, had a nice six-way with her, uh, Raquel Rodriguez, and Shotzi Blackheart versus Damage Control. Really good matchup there. Um, I think Dom is going to be a little mad at me. I love you, South Philly Psycho, but Dom's going to be a little mad at me. But I thought the backstage segment with Liv Morgan and uh, Sonya Deville was fucking awesome. I love the fact that Liv Morgan is just descending into madness. And you could see she's fucking losing her mind. The fact that you had her attack Sonya Deville and then hit that fucking massive senton from the top of whatever truss she was jumping off of backstage through a table. That's the type of shit that I fucking like to see fucking Liv Morgan is not mid. <laughs> she's definitely going to be a bigger star. I think after losing that title, she's going to descend into madness. And this is why I think that she could be perfect for that Wyatt six, but we don't know what the Wyatt six is. We don't know if the Wyatt six is just going to be her by herself. I mean, him by himself. And the reason why I say that is because how SmackDown ended this past week before I get into Bray Wyatt, 
Kofi says, the way WWE is filming also with the recording backstage and the walking through even the Bray stuff is just dope. Dope work filming. Former Ring of Honor Women's Champion, Roxy, for sure. Tim King says, that was fire, most definitely. Shout out Devin from Clark Street. Thank you for being here, homie. Says, on-site Liv Morgan. It's decided. It's decided. Knowledge, your tribal chief. <laughs> anyway, SmackDown ended with a banger. And I love the fact that, like I said, if you didn't have Bray Wyatt on this show, this show was fucking awesome without him. But I feel like what took it over the top was that closing segment. And it was awesome to see because I feel like everybody expected Bray to come out and people were expecting to see what's going to be next for Bray. Who is he going to go after? Who is he recruiting in the possible faction, the Wyatt Six? Who is he going to set his sights on? And we got none of that. But I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. Because what we did get was a moment where Bray Wyatt came out as himself and cut a very emotional promo talking about his time away and dealing with depression and dealing with people that he lost in his life. Um, one of them, he didn't mention by name, but of course we all know was the late great Brody Lee. So all this was very real. It wasn't storyline at all. This was very, very real. And I liked it because we'd never seen this side of Bray. It was completely different. It was emotional. This shit gave me chills. And he fucking was getting emotional. And that's, like I said, something that we never seen from him. I love this. And then the way they ended it with whoever is behind that mask, whether it's Bray himself going through a fucking, you know, a trip. I don't know, but somebody was behind that mask on the fucking Tron trying to get Bray to go back into his fucking evil ways, I feel. And it was awesome, awesome, awesome to see because now... While everybody's over here saying who's in the Wyatt Six, who's in the Wyatt Six, I think it's becoming more crystal clear that the Wyatt Six is Bray Wyatt himself, and he's probably going to have six different forms of himself. That is something that we've never seen before, and it's only something that could come from the mind of someone who's creative like Bray Wyatt. Like, I could see him being six different versions of, him, of himself. You already got the Fiend. You got the fucking cult leader of the Wyatt family. That's two right there. You have this Bray, the, the genuine Bray, the, the, the good guy Bray. That's three. You have the white rabbit, which will be four. You have, if he wants to channel any of the fucking, you know, any of the forms of the, the puppets from the funhouse. Like, the, the possibilities are endless. And I love the fact that he didn't set his sights on Roman or didn't set his sights on Drew or anybody. We're going to let the story marinate. He doesn't have to. I said this shit last week on Friday. He doesn't have to just come out and be like, yo, I want the champion. I want this. You can have the story build and marinate. And then eventually when it's in its full form, then you see what his next moves are. You see who he's going after. You see what the goals are. You see who they're going to fucking set their sights on. I love this. This is storytelling at its absolute finest. This segment was five out of five for me. I loved it. We saw a different side of Bray, but we also saw that, you know, there's some evil entity that's kind of mind control with Bray, which I think that was a fucking awesome way to put it. Let's get to these uh, comments here. There's a lot here to get to. Tim King says, I like how Sheamus and Solo looked strong fighting to the back so they didn't take the L and built more story. I think that that's definitely the next matchup. We're going to be getting Sheamus versus Solo. And if that's the case, sign me the fuck up. Dom says, on site. Mid Morgan, oh, Dom, Dom, Dom. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't jack that, bro. Dom says, I ain't mad at you just because you don't agree. If that's all it took, Devin and I would have killed each other by now. <laughs> Kofi says, great, great moment, most definitely. Six different forms. That's why I think it's going to be. I think Bray Wyatt is going to have six different forms of himself, which would be awesome because while everybody is talking about Oh, is it Seth Rollins? Is it going to be Liv Morgan? Is it going to be fucking uh, Joe Gacy or like this Bo Dallas? Like, no, maybe it's just him. Him battling himself with six different fucking personalities. Like, that would be awesome to see. I would love the fact that Bray Wyatt comes out with the fucking Fiend mask one match and then he like snaps out of it and goes back into Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt. Like, that's the entertaining shit that I think that Bray could pull off. There's not many people who could pull something like this off, but he's so creative. He's so 
fucking like smart and the way he pulls these shits off it's believable for him so i, I think that he could do this like he will be able to pull this off dom says i feel like the mask is the other side of his personality i like the fiend without the kids show shit definitely agree with that too sister abigail that's another form of him tim says well said bro i appreciate you homie Kofi Weiss says he's a character and that doesn't need a title to be dope. I.e. Jake the Snake. I, I agree with that. You know, I always felt even the original Bray Wyatt, like Wyatt family Bray Wyatt, I always felt like he didn't need to be a champion. Even though he was a champion, I didn't think he needed it because a character like Bray Wyatt, especially in the Wyatt family days, he doesn't seem like he would be motivated by championship gold. You know what I mean? So I, I always felt like he really didn't need that title. So I'm with that here too. Like Bray Wyatt doesn't need to be champion. Bray Wyatt could just very well be his own entity on the show. Courtney says, praying for Papa H. He has COVID. Most definitely, yes. Triple H will not be at Raw tonight because Triple H is battling COVID. Hoping for a speedy recovery. Most definitely, you know, it's a little scary because, you know, he went through heart issues a couple months ago. So prayers to Triple H. I hope that he recovers and is going to be Back on the road soon, good as new. Most definitely prayers for Papa H. So, yeah, SmackDown for me is getting a strong five out of five stars. I definitely enjoyed it. I thought it was a great show. And like I said, you didn't even need the Bray Wyatt shit on the show to be a great show because the wrestling action that they had itself and the storyline with Rey Mysterio and Karrion Cross and Drew, that shit itself was already amazing. I feel like you put the Bray Wyatt segment to end the show off, put it over the top, Amazing, amazing work. WWE is on fire in 2022. But when we come back from this commercial break, we'll be talking about WWE from 1997. Raw is war. October 27th, 1997. We are two weeks away from Survivor Series in Montreal. And you know what goes down at Survivor Series 97 in Montreal. We also will be talking about WWE Nitro 1997, October 27th, which is the show after what was a hit and miss Halloween Havoc that we talked about here two weeks ago. So stay tuned. When we come back from this commercial break, we'll be talking about all that and more. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hey there, this is the Queen of Extreme, Francine. I am here today to let you know that you need to go and check out this very cool podcast. 
that is happening right now. It's called the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. And it's on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yes, three days a week. It's amazing. And on Wednesdays, Wednesdays are really special because Edwin Melendez, he reviews ECW Hardcore TV. And sometimes he even talks about yours truly. So you need to go and you need to look up this podcast. Again, it's called the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. And it's on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And please tell them that the Queen of Extreme Francine sent you. Three Falls Brand is a DOI merch company that provides original artwork on shirts, hats, stickers, and pins. Three Falls, WrestlePunk merch for the masses. Check us out at threefallsbrand.com and on Instagram at threefallsbrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. We are about to go back in time like we always do every Monday to the Monday Night Wars. We are about to go back in time to a little show called Raw is War. Anyway, before I get that copyright. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, uh, Dom says no negation tonight. You know, I, I'm truth be told, I'm trying to be off before Monday Night Raw. I'm super excited for Monday Night Raw, and I don't need uh, you know, a, a three minute Nick Gage promo where he's calling it the Delorean and not the Delorean. But maybe on Wednesday we'll be seeing Nick Gage once again here on the fucking show. <laughs> Ivan, what's up? How you doing, my man? Yes, it does. It gets me so fucking hype, right? Super fucking hype, man. Super hype, yeah. Yo, that Raw intro, the fucking Raw's War intro with the fucking pyro and the fucking explosions and you got Stone Cold walking through the fire, that shit always gets me, yo. Every single time, every single time, my son will be like laying in bed or laying in the crib. My girl will be in the other room. But every time that comes on when I do these old school watch-alongs, I got to put the TV volume all the way up to 100. And I piss them off. I piss her off. She's just like, hey, why is the TV so loud? I'm sorry. It's going to only be for 30 seconds. So deal with it because it's Monday fucking night raw. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so anyway, Monday Night Raw, Raw is War from October 27th, 1997. Like I said, we are two weeks away from Survivor Series in Montreal. We all know what goes down at Survivor Series in Montreal. So let's get into this episode and let's see how WCW combats this episode. Start out with the Nation of Domination who comes out and they are in ring for an interview with Vince McMahon and Farouk, he wants to know why there is racism in the WWF because last week someone vandalized the Nation of Domination locker room. DX said that they saw the Hart Foundation do it, but Vince McMahon insists that racism is not something that exists in the WWF. He says there's no racism here, there's no one who's held down by their skin color, and we're going to continue to be a racist-free environment. This leads to The Rock grabbing the mic and telling Vince McMahon to leave the ring. He says that he has dealt with a lot of racism in his personal life and here in the WWF, especially with somebody vandalizing the locker room of the Nation of Domination. Let's see, Ivan says, stop, you're killing me, bro. <laughs> I appreciate you. But yeah, so the Nation of Domination, they want to know why. Why was it okay for anybody to vandalize the nation's locker room with a lot of racial slurs? This was very controversial for the time and is very controversial today. Um, the Rock grabs the mic, like I said. He says that the Hart Foundation crossed the line. And he says that he dealt with racism his whole life, but it's coming to an end. Farouk then grabs the mic and says that four on four, we want the Hart Foundation next week. Out comes the Hart Foundation. Owen Hart. British Bulldog, Jim D'Angelo Nightheart, and of course, Brett the Hitman Hart. They come out, and Brett says, I'll accept the challenge because the Hart Foundation will not back down to a fight, but I come from the great state of Canada. And in Canada, there is no prejudice. There is no racism. He says, in Canada, we love our brothers and sisters, and everyone is equal, unlike America, where there is a lot of racism. This leads to Shawn Michaels and Triple H with China and Rick Rude on the Tron coming on and saying that, you know, 
let, let, don't don't be fooled by trip. Don't be fooled by Brett the Hitman Hart trying to be all Mister Heroic here for Rook. He says that Brett the Hitman Hart might as well be the Grand Wizard of the KKK. He says that Brett, Man, Brett the Hitman Hart he likes to walk around in a leather jacket, but he really likes to walk around more in a white cloak and a white hood. This is fucking insanely controversial. Like, I don't even know how this shit got to pass for this time even. Like, even at this time, there weren't full attitude error because this was, like, right before the attitude error. But, bro, this shit was fucking, whoo. Like, the shit that Sean was saying was crazy. Then Triple H said that Brett the Hitman Hart would give up his mother for a burning cross. And he said they passed by the Hart Foundation locker room. And truth be told, he said, I overheard them saying the N-word, which means... This leads to the Nation of Domination just storming the Heart Foundation on the ramp, beating the shit out of them. And, I mean, can you blame them? Also, while they were attacking the Heart Foundation, this also leads to Brett the Hitman Hart getting injured, injuring his leg on the show. But doesn't matter. Brett the Hitman Hart still has to defend his title tonight against the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, who's the last guy you want to go against if you have a fucking injured leg. But, bro, this opening segment was crazy crazy fucking controversial shit that i didn't even fucking remember or expected to hear on this fucking show to be honest kofi said wow he said that oh my fucking god yes he did go back to and check this out the opening segment there was a lot of crazy shit being thrown a lot of fucking crazy allegations being thrown at bret hart being in the kkk and insane shit bro kofi says the heat backstage probably was crazy for real most definitely i mean how how, if I'm Brett the Hitman Hart, how do you agree to be a part of a storyline like this? How, if, if you're the nation of domination, which by the way, I was watching this with my girl, and I was saying that the WWF is fucking racist as fuck. And I'm gonna tell you why. The nation of domination is saying how they don't want racism, right? And they're fucking getting booed for that. And this McMahon is making them look like the biggest heels in the company for saying that they're not gonna deal with racism. How the fuck are they the fucking heels and not the baby faces? Why is it that it's okay to boo these guys for saying that they don't want racism? No one questioned that shit ever. So that right there, you know what I mean? Like, this man wants to say there is no racism in the WWF. Sounds like racism to me, bro. If the, the, the guys who say that they are against racism are getting booed and you're over here telling the crowd... Can't you hear these people? They're, they're signed that there's no racism in the WWF. They all believe that you're making it up in your head. Bro, really? That shit is fucking wild if you ask me. Dom says, God damn, Sean went beyond shots fired. That's a verbal A-bomb. Bro, people want to talk about pipe bombs. That shit was more than a fucking pipe bomb because now the people who don't understand that wrestling's fake Bret Hart has to go outside and fucking live his normal life after this. He has to go outside and probably be confronted by people that believe that Shawn Michaels is telling the truth about Bret Hart being in the KKK. Wild shit, bro. Kofi says, this whole segment was racist as hell. Storyline used to be used the wrong way. Could have used it in a positive way. I totally agree. And this is exactly the conversation I was having with my girl. I was like, this shit feels so fucking weird. Like, why the fuck would you be pushing these guys as the top heels who are just asking for a fair shot and saying that they're not going to take the racism and then you got people booing them and don't act like the fucking cameraman wasn't playing into this shit because you had the fucking cameraman zooming in on every fucking white face going boo every single time Farouk says we're not going to stand for racism and you got the fucking cameraman zooming in on white people boo and at the time yo there was a lot of shit going down in the fucking 90s just like there's a lot of shit going down today, WWF tried to capitalize on it, but they capitalized in the wrong fucking way. They obviously, they obviously showed what side that they're on. So this was fucking weird as fuck, bro. Dom says, preach, Mike. This was a few years after Rodney King and still the nation are heels for this. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying they racist, but it feels racist as fuck, bro. Most definitely. Kofi says, what city was it in? It was in Ohio, which is ironic because uh wish you could pull up the segment. 
Bro, if I pull that segment up, you know, WWF is going to be fucking, well, WWE is going to be dropping those copyright bombs and shit. But if you go to, go on Peacock, go to October 27th, 1997, Raw is Wars, the opening segment, the opening segment, you'll see the segment. You'll see how Farouk and the Nation of Domination is pissed off that there is racism, racist uh, slurs all over their locker room. And Vince McMahon is trying to make it seem like, oh, well, that's your fault that there's racist slurs all over your locker room. There's no racism in the WWF. And then you got Bret Hart being called the Klansman. There's a lot of wild shit. So definitely Peacock, Raw is War, or Monday Night Raw, October 27, 1997. Opening segment, first 15 minutes, you'll see all this shit. I'm not making none of this up. None of this is fucking me, you know, adding my own twist to shit. It was plain and simple. It was right there. The motherfuckers was just talking, you know what I mean? Kofi says, oh, yeah, fuck Ohio for real, for real. Detroit, Atlanta, North, South, Dakota, Minnesota. <laughs> for real, man. All right, so after this, after this crazy-ass segment that fucking took me by surprise when I fucking saw it, we had Goldust versus Triple H. Rick Rude comes out. He gives Triple H uh, a big uh, introduction, but first he does his typical Rick Rude. You know, I want all the ladies in the place to to look at me and all the sweat hogs to, you know, the typical Rick Rude shit. Triple H comes out. A lot of interference from China here. Behind the referee's back, China hits a power slam on Goldust onto the ramp. And Marlena is scared to even confront China because, I mean, why wouldn't she? And Triple H wins the matchup with the pedigree. Goldust, who was getting quite a push a couple months ago, ever since Brian Pillman passed away, that storyline got cut short, and Goldust kind of been in the background at this point. We then get Jim Cornette, who, you know, at this time was doing these backstage opinion segments. And he says that, you know, he starts talking shit about Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Randy Savage. He talks shit about Hulk Hogan and Piper's cage match from the night before at Halloween Havoc. And he says that wrestlers like Undertaker, Ric Flair, Steve Austin, they never called themselves icon. Even though you have people like Hulk Hogan calling himself the icon of professional wrestling. And you got Randy Savage calling himself the icon and Shawn Michaels is the icon who can still go. He said that, you know, you got all these icons, and yes, they are big household names, but also on top of that, they also are bigger egos who are cancerous to the backstage locker room. He says guys like Undertaker, Ric Flair, and Steve Austin, they're the real icons who never called themselves icons, which, by the way, Ric Flair is a little, you know, a little bit of a reach to put him in that conversation because Ric Flair doesn't call himself icon, but he calls himself every other fucking thing in the book. But then he ends up with a great line. He says, Hulk Hogan is a household word, but so is garbage, and garbage stinks when it gets old, too. Um, Not the biggest fan of Jim Cornette, but I got to say that these opinion segments back in the day were really fucking entertaining. Kofi says, talk to you later, bro. All right, bro, most definitely, man. I appreciate you being here. Next on the show, we have Owen Hart versus Ahmed Johnson for the IC title. Now, if you remember, it was already signed for Survivor Series that Stone Cold Steve Austin will be going against Owen Hart for the IC title. So Stone Cold Steve Austin interferes during this matchup and hits the stunner on Ahmed Johnson, making sure that Owen Hart retains his IC title. Because Stone Cold Steve Austin does not like Owen Hart, but he will protect Owen Hart because he doesn't want no one taking that title from Owen Hart besides him. Really cool segment. After this, Mankind is in the ring, and it was supposed to be Mankind versus Kane tonight, but the USA Network says that they feel like that match will be way too violent, so they want to postpone the matchup to Survivor Series. Sergeant Slaughter, who's the commissioner at the time, comes out and says that they cannot have this match go down on live TV because it will be way too violent and too many liabilities. This leads to Mankind hitting the manable claw on Sergeant Slaughter and just going absolutely batshit crazy, ripping his hair out, saying that he wants Kane. Next, for the WWF title, we have Bret the Hitman Hart versus Ken Shamrock. This was a great matchup. This, this got a lot of time, and there was a lot of action, a lot of good chemistry also between Bret Hart and Ken Shamrock at the time. But in the end, this is another match that gets thrown out, which I feel like is every match at this point in the WWF, and it's fucking sad. But it's another match that gets thrown out because Shawn Michaels interferes and hits the super kick on Bret Hart, which angers uh, Ken Shamrock because this is his WWF title match, and now he loses a title shot because Shawn Michaels interferes. So Ken Shamrock takes out both Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Some people were speculating at the time that this would lead to a three-way at Survivor Series, but this is not what happens. Now imagine if the Survivor Series in Montreal was a three-way between Shawn Michaels and Ken Shamrock. You could have did that because 
this sets up a perfect three-way with Ken Shamrock losing his title shot because it's Shawn Michaels, and then he takes out both Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. You could have had Shawn Michaels pin Ken Shamrock at the pay-per-view where Bret Hart would lose his title, and you didn't have to go screwing the man. But who am I? I mean, I'm just a fucking podcaster, right? What do I know about the wrestling business? I'm just a mark, huh? Anyway, I just feel like they didn't have to screw Brett. You could have had made it a three-way because you built up the story to make it a three-way, and then you could have had Ken Shamrock take the fall. Bret Hart loses the title. Next, we got the New Age Outlaws versus the Blackjacks. The New Age Outlaws win pretty quickly when uh, Billy Gunn hits uh, Blackjack Bradshaw with the chair behind the referee's back, leading to the pinfall for Road Dog. We have Paul Bearer comes out with Kane, and Kane says that, well, Paul Bearer says that mankind is just a pebble in Kane's path of destruction and says that Kane is here to make the Undertaker's life a living hell. Undertaker says, last week, you, you don't understand, I'm already living in hell. But Kane, he's the one who really had to live in hell because Kane went through fire, Kane was burnt alive, and Kane will not stop until the Undertaker feels the pain that his younger brother went through. Like I said, it's announced that it'll be Kane and Mankind at Survivor Series, but the real match that Kane and Paul Bearer wants is The Undertaker, but Undertaker refuses to fight his brother. We have a really good athletic matchup between uh, Flash Funk and Mark Miro. Both men are so underrated at this time, man. Like, just great athleticism, but really nothing to build a storyline here. We then get a sit-down with Double J, Jeff Jarrett, who just returned to the company last week. Uh... JR interviews Jeff Jarrett, and Jeff Jarrett says that the character Double J, you know, the, the country music singer, he said it was complete trash, but whether it was trash or not, Vince McMahon gave him an opportunity, an opportunity to run with something. He says that WCW, on the other hand, never gave him that opportunity. He says that if you aren't one of Eric Bischoff's boys, then you have no opportunities in WCW, which, tell me when he's saying a lie. Uh, he says that the WWF is action from bell to bell, even on the house shows. You'll see nothing but pure action, where in WCW, you're going to see a bunch of wrestlers over 40 years old just going in there, hitting a couple of big moves, and then just leaving. He says wrestling is a young man's game, and the WCW is filled with fucking fossils. Tell me when he's lying. Anyway, main event was a fucking matchup that lasted two minutes between the Legion of Doom and Los Boricuas. Why this was the main event and not the Shawn Michaels, I mean, not the Bret Hart versus uh, Ken Shamrock match is beyond me. This matchup literally went like five minutes and was an absolute squash for the Legion of Doom. But we don't end the show like that. We end the show with Ahmed Johnson cutting a promo backstage saying that he wants Stone Cold Steve Austin. A week before his comeback at Survivor Series, he wants him next week on Raw because he screwed him out of the IC title. So next week, it is set up Ahmed Johnson versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that's how Raw goes off the air. This Raw fucking sucked. This Raw sucked ass. And I'm going to tell you why. 90% of the matches has false finishes. You have the fucking complete, you know, asinine storyline of the people who don't want racism being the fucking bad guys. And this did very little to build up to Survivor Series besides Shawn Michaels and... Bret Hart. And even that was a weak-ass build. So in all honesty, WCW doesn't have to do much to defeat the WWF on this night. So let's get right into it right now. Let's talk about WCW Nitro from October 27th, 1997. The show after, the night after a hit-and-miss pay-per-view Halloween Havoc 97, where you had amazing, amazing, amazing matches like Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, which is going to go down in history as one of the best matches of all time. And then you had really, really shitty matches like Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper in a cage match. But this is a special three-hour episode of Nitro, so they didn't have to do much to beat the WWF. Already having more action and one more hour on the show puts it over the top, in my opinion. Starts the show out with the NWO music. They come out. It's Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. And Easy e says that Hollywood is on top of the wrestling world. And he's going to be on top of the Hollywood world. Because tomorrow night, Hulk Hogan's new movie, Assault on Devil's Island, is going to be live on TNT. This was just a big segment to fucking boost the, the ratings for Hulk Hogan's movie. Uh, Hulk Hogan says that he is the real icon of professional wrestling. And he is now God. Not a God. He is God. Insane. Uh, first matchup of the night, we have a great, great, great cruiserweight matchup between Rey Mysterio and Dean Malenko. 
these guys always have great matches. They always have great chemistry, and these two put on an absolute banger. Um, during the matchup, we see Raven and his flock coming down in the stands. Rey Mysterio wins the matchup with the beautiful top rope Karana to retain his newly, freshly won Cruiserweight Championship match, uh, championship title, I should say. Um, this is 24 hours after he had that classic with Eddie Guerrero, so kudos to Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero both being on this show. Curvin Abreu, you know wrestling is fake and boring. Wrestling is fake. So is you. So get the fuck out of here. No one asks you to fucking be here. Wrestling From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. It's fake and boring, then why the fuck are you on my show, boy? Anyway, we got more Lucha Libre action. Uh, first, we have Lucha Libre History by Mike Tanay, which is a segment that they've been showing on Nitro for the last couple of weeks. I thought it was really cool. Here they talked about how the fans would buy the mask to support their favorite wrestlers in Mexico. And they talk about the meaning of the mask, which was awesome. But they also talked about that in the last two uh, Lucha Libre History segments the last couple of weeks. So I don't think that uh, it was necessarily needed. Um we have La Parca versus Glacier on this show. So a lot of Lucha Libre action here. Uh, La Parca versus Glacier. This was because La Parca took out Glacier with a chair on WCW Saturday night. Glacier wins this matchup. Not much to talk about here. Earlier in the night when Hulk Hogan was here, he says that he is going to issue an open challenge because he is the god of wrestling. He's issuing an open challenge and... Anybody who's anybody could fucking get it, whether it's someone from the crowd, someone from the rafters, talking about Sting, or any of the chumps backstage. So in this segment right here, Diamond Dallas Page comes out, and he says that he is answering Hulk Hogan's open challenge for later tonight. He said, for the past couple weeks, you attacked me from behind, and I never got to get my comeuppance. So tonight on Nitro, not only will I be able to beat Hulk Hogan, but I will become the WCW champion for the first time ever. Then they shoot to backstage, and Hulk Hogan says that he never said it was for a title match. He will go against Diamond Dallas Page, but it will be non-title. Nonetheless, this is a big matchup for Diamond Dallas to have at this time after a great, great, great feud with Randy Savage. And the next guy up would be Hulk Hogan. We have a matchup between Stevie Ray and Lex Luger on this matchup. This was uh, Stevie Ray's first match back after a severe leg injury. Um... But Lex Luger, he gets the victory after a couple minutes. I feel like they definitely could have told the story of Stevie Ray coming back better than what they did. Um, Ivan says, who the hell is that? Some fucking, I don't even know, some fucking poser, some some troll, but whatever. Blocked, hell yeah, that, that's exactly what they deserve, to be blocked. If you don't fucking like wrestling, then don't be on a fucking wrestling podcast commenting on it. Then You know what I mean? Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, back to the great action. We have Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho, which was an amazing, amazing matchup. Got a lot of time. Great action. Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho always had great chemistry with each other, but it's not too much how this matchup went. It's about what followed this matchup because this is where WCW starts to kick into high gear because you have this amazing matchup between Guerrero and Jericho and right after it, which, by the way, Guerrero won and then says into the microphone that Rey Mysterio is not over. He wants his rematch for the IC title. 
Right after this, we have another amazing matchup, a hard-hitting matchup, which is completely opposite of the crazy high-flying match we just saw between Guerrero and Jericho. We have Chris Benoit versus Finn Finley. This was insane. Finn Finley and Chris Benoit beat the ever-loving shit out of each other. They beat the shit out of each other. This was technical violence at its best and just such a hard-hitting matchup. In the end, Chris Benoit wins, and then he gets on the mic and says that he wants Eddie Guerrero. So it's very, very, you know, intriguing. We might be getting a Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit versus Rey Mysterio three-way matchup here. And if that's the case, sign me the fuck up because that sounds like a fucking banger. Dom says, you know, you live in your mom's basement and have too much time on your hands, Curvin. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's putting it a lot nicer than I would. Uh, Scotty Riggs versus Raven. This is Raven's WCW in-ring debut. Quote the Raven, nevermore. Uh, Raven comes out with complete flock. This has Sick Boy. This has Stevie Richards. This has Perry Saturn. Uh, Stevie Richards gets on the mic, and he says that this matchup will only be contested on under no DQ rules, a.k.a. Raven's rules. Uh, Raven then grabs the mic, and he tells Scotty Riggs, Riggs, you haven't won a match in six months. There's no need for us to wrestle. You know you can't even touch me in the ring. Why are you even standing next to me? He says, you are a loser, but you also have demons in you that I could help you exercise. Come with me. Join the flock. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. Rick says, no. <laughs> and the match starts off with Riggs jumping uh, Raven. The match is very, very quick because quickly Raven brings in a steel chair and hits a drop toehold on the chair where Riggs hits itself on the eye on the corner of the chair, and the matchup has to be stopped because Riggs is bleeding from the eye. Um, down the line, this leads to Scotty Riggs joining the flock, and if you remember, he had the eye patch. This is why, because Raven, you know, hit the drop toehold, and he went eye first right into a fucking chair. After this, we got the non-title matchup, which I thought would have been in the main event. DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, not the, the Dirty DeLorean posse, but Diamond Dallas Page going up against Hollywood Hulk Hogan, this was surprisingly a really good matchup. Got a lot of time. And I ain't gonna lie. I've been shitting on Hulk Hogan quite a bit these last couple weeks. And I always say Hulk Hogan can't wrestle. Hulk Hogan pulled out some fucking submissions here that I was surprised. Hulk Hogan pulled out a fucking Fujiwara armbar. Hulk Hogan pulled out a goddamn uh, spinning drop toe hold. Hulk Hogan pulled out some shit that I did not expect Hulk Hogan to pull out. So definitely kudos to Hulk Hogan. This was actually a really good matchup. But, of course, just like all Hulk Hogan matches, ends in a no contest because you have the NWO jump DDP just as DDP was getting the better on Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan misses the leg drop. Diamond Dallas hits the diamond cutter. This leads to the NWO coming out. And not just four or five members of the NWO. I'm talking about 13 members of the NWO come out, and they jump DDP. And then out from the rafters comes the man called Sting. Sting comes out and he's a one-man army because himself and the bat takes out all 13 members of the NWO. And Sting, he points the bat at Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's freaking the fuck out. He retreats. It is clear the closer we get to Starcade 1997, Sting will be returning to the ring and he wants Hulk Hogan. There is no bigger match that the WCW could sign at this time than Sting versus Hulk Hogan for that world title. Dom says, trying not to go psycho tonight. <laughs> DDP should have got a, a shot at Hogan's title tonight, but I still like Nitro better than Raw this week. Hell fucking yeah. Raw was trash. Dom says, Raven was the OG Bray Wyatt. I always said that. I always said that I would have loved, especially in the time, it was like, what, 2014, I believe, where you had Tommy Dreamer return to the WWE, and it was... Uh, Tommy Dreamer, Raven, not Raven, Tommy Dreamer, Rhino, and the Dudley Boys up against the Wyatt family. I always thought that it would have been interesting if they brought in Raven because you could have had some like psychological mind games between Raven and Bray Wyatt, especially because you were building the feud between the former ECW legends versus the, uh, the Wyatt family. It would have just been awesome. And Dom says, it's Sting. Should, should I give it the best Tony Schiavone impression right now? Should I? I I'm going to try. It's probably not going to be good. But here's my it's sting, all right? It's sting. <laughs> Sorry if I blew out everyone's eardrums right now. Ivan says, 
Watch the great Muda versus Hogan in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He wrestled and, yes, actually wrestled. I, I know. He, in New Japan, my man was pulling out fucking submissions, and he was a technical wrestler. And I remember even hitting a drop kick on the great Muda. But it was very rare that the Hollywood Hulk Hogan days in WCW, he would pull out some of that shit. But in this matchup with Diamond Dallas, I was surprised when my man was pulling out fucking drop tolls and shit. Anyway, Sting clears house. It is clear that we're going to be getting uh, Sting and Hogan very, very soon. We see a backstage brawl between Bill Goldberg and Mongo McMichaels because Goldberg took out Mongo earlier in the night. I mean, earlier in the week at the pay-per-view. And he stole Mongo's Super uh, Bowl ring. So now the feud is between Goldberg and Mongo. A lot of intensity. Not the biggest fan of Mongo, but a lot of intensity here from both men and Mongo, who's dealing with a lot, you know, personally, I think he has cancer at the moment. I, I just wish nothing but the best for him. And honestly, I hope he has a speedy recovery. Dom says, I said that too. Great minds think a lot. Spot on impression. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> Hogan comes back out now. Hogan comes out and he's with Eric Bischoff and he says that tonight he's not here to complain about Sting. He's here to plug his movie once again. Assault on Devil's Island tomorrow night on TNT, but he will be in Vegas for the world premiere of the movie. He says, I will be there with an open contract. If Sting is man enough, show up at the premiere of Assault on Devil's Island and sign the contract, you and me, at Starcade. Like I said, I didn't expect this to be signed this early in advance because it's still October. The Starcade, I believe, was the last week of December. So he said, sign the contract, you and me at Starcade for the WCW title tomorrow night. This was a way for them to uh, basically build up Hulk Hogan's movie and get some extra ratings to Hulk Hogan's whack-ass movie, Assault on Devil's Island, just by putting Sting and Hogan on that commercial break that they had. And if you go back on YouTube, Sting just shows up, signs a contract, and that's it. It's like literally two minutes at the end of the movie, so you have to watch the whole fucking movie to get to that. Main event, we have Randy Savage versus Ric Flair. Really good matchup here. Two guys who had a great story uh, rivalry. Two guys who had a matchup at WrestleMania. Good matchup. Love the finish, though, where Ric Flair attacks uh, the NWO members standing on the outside. And Kerr Hennig and uh, Randy Savage basically jump Ric Flair. Match gets thrown out. But the reason why I say I love this is because at Halloween Havoc the night before, you had an amazing matchup between Ric Flair and Kurt Hennig. So I want to see another chapter of that feud. And I'm glad that we're probably going to be getting it because the storyline seems to be continuing here. Um, overall, WCW was really good. A lot better action than WWE because when you have matches like Fit Finley versus Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho versus Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko versus fucking uh, Rey Mysterio. And then you have a matchup like Hulk Hogan versus Diamond Dallas Page and Randy Savage versus Sting. All I mean, not Sting, Randy Savage versus Ric Flair. All on one show, they didn't have to do much. They could have had a fraction of that and still beat WWF Raw as War this week. So definitely this week, once again, for the fourth week in a row, is going to WCW Nitro. Nitro in 97 right now is unstoppable. That roster is too fucking good to be losing to Monday Night Raw. Um, but speaking of Monday Night Raw, I hope everyone enjoys Monday Night Raw. Tonight should be a good show. We got the Good Brothers versus, uh, versus Alpha Academy. We also got, for the IC title, no, the US title, Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle. Should be an amazing, amazing uh, show. So check out Monday Night Raw. It's about to start in five minutes. I'm glad I got to, what's called? End the show before Raw so you guys could go enjoy Raw. Dom says, Mongo McBotch versus Botchberg. <laughs> Only losers are anyone who watched it. I totally agree, bro. It says, Henning versus Flair is one of those matches I'd watch every week if they booked if they booked it. There was a lot of those matches on this card. This card was absolutely stacked, as is Monday Night Raw for tonight. So I hope everyone enjoys. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to the Circle of Debate. I appreciate you all. Lots of content coming this week and every week. We have Wrestling DeLorean Podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Tomorrow we have some special interviews coming out. And, you know, I don't want to spoil that surprise, but there's going to be some interviews coming out this week. Uh, you have the New Japan show for Circle Debate on Tuesday. Tomorrow, you have the MMA show on Wednesday, the flagship show, episode 124 on Thursday, and you have Top 5 on Friday. So lots of content coming out. Hit that subscribe button. Ivan says, great episode, fam. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. 
Dom says, great show, fam. Want to do Raw Watch Along? <laughs> I mean, I would, but I also got to feed my son. So I, I'm i planning on doing some watch alongs very soon. It's just that right now, you know, I got a new job and I got a new schedule to uphold. So I'm going to try to work some stuff out. But very soon, I would like to do some watch alongs because I saw the watch along Tim King had with you, Devin, and Ivan, and I fucking loved it. I want to be a part of it. And I want to do shit like that. So I appreciate you guys. Everybody in the chat, hit that fucking subscribe button. And everyone, go subscribe to these fucking great podcasts like Top Rope Wrestling Talk, like uh, Circle of Debate, like Clark Street, like the Dirty Heels, like the Wrestling Index. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Love you guys. And I hope you enjoy Raw. And I will catch you back here tomorrow for something special and on Wednesday with another episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Peace out, y'all. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah often thinks about the old boring Sarah. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.